Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. My name is Claire Lehman and I am Editor-in-Chief of Quillette. Quillette is where free thought lives. We are an independent, grassroots platform for heterodox ideas and fearless commentary. Our podcast is a team effort and is jointly hosted by myself and Canadian editor Jonathan Kay. You can support our podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Quillette and becoming a monthly patron. By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter. Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay. As most of you know, I host this podcast from Toronto. But most of the stories I do aren't Canadian because it's rare that anything happens in this country that the world particularly cares about. But that changed in late January when a convoy of Canadian trucks headed east to the capital city of Ottawa to protest vaccine mandates imposed on international truckers by the Canadian government. Most Canadians thought that this would be a short-lived political stunt. But more than two weeks later, many trucks in that protest convoy are still in downtown Ottawa. And the protest has become a major international news event, even inspiring copycat events in other countries. Here in Canada, meanwhile, Ottawa authorities have proven unable to dislodge the protesters, who have turned parts of downtown into a sort of combination parking lot and noisy street party. And while there's been almost no violence to speak of, Canada's political class and media have descended into what has sometimes resembled full-blown social panic, accusing the protesters of everything from alt-right Trumpism to plotting an insurrection. And there was definitely a grain of truth to those fears, at least originally, since some of the original organizers, like Pat King, really were fringe figures. But the protests themselves have not only been generally peaceful, but surprisingly multicultural, which is something of a rebuke to the various progressive politicians and activists who've tried to dismiss the protesters as racists or even white supremacists. With me to discuss all this are two men who've been protesting in Ottawa since the beginning. David Paisley is a tradesman and convoy street captain on Wellington Street in downtown Ottawa, and with him is his friend and trucker, Jay Vanderweer. And just to warn you, these men recorded their conversation with me using cell phones from the middle of a protest. So I hope you enjoy the conversation, even if the audio isn't exactly studio quality. Jay, tell me what a typical work week or work month is like for what you do for a living. Truth is, I'm in the excavating business, and so I am totally different than these long-haul truck drivers. What I do is I get in the truck in the morning and haul a piece of equipment to a job site and then sit in that piece of equipment for the day and then drive home. So that's like a caterpillar? Yeah, like a bulldozer or a excavator, yep. And there's other days when I hop in a, in a dump truck for the boss 12 hours a day. And you make a good living being a truck driver? Yeah, it's not like where we are locally, it's not terrible. It's definitely not white collar wage, that's for sure. If you don't mind me asking, are you vaccinated? No, I'm not. There's enough question marks for me that I'm nervous to put it in my own body. Okay. But if you would like to put it in yours, I definitely don't have a problem with that. Can your average trucker, whether they're delivering equipment or whether they're delivering cargo across the border, are they able to do their day-to-day jobs without coming in close contact with other people? Or does the job necessitate close contact with other people? That's what we kind of see as such a a foolish thing for the government to keep pushing so hard on that for the guys to be completely vaccinated to cross the border. Most drivers, like myself, I can speak to what I do. So I'll get to the shop in the morning and nobody will be there, but maybe a mechanic and I'll hop in my truck 
load my equipment, drive to my site, work all day by myself in my piece of equipment, and then drive back. So I don't really see anybody other than maybe the odd coworker or two for a second or two when he brings a coffee. But yeah, a lot of drivers that I know that run the run the roads, they aren't even allowed in the let's say they deliver parts to a, a plant. Uh, they wouldn't be allowed inside. Basically, they aren't even allowed out of the truck because of the COVID rules. And, and that suits them just fine. Like, uh, truckers are an independent breed. There's really no social interaction other than your phone and your, and your CB radio. And, and John, if, if I could just jump in there on the question of vaccination. I, I personally... Um, this is part of the reason we're here because increasingly this is becoming uh, a question that is all of a sudden appropriate to ask people about their personal health decisions. And uh, I don't mean any offense to you for asking. I understand the context, but I, I feel like Trudeau has, and has turned it into a very political issue. And, and it's become this, are you vaxxed? Are you unvaxxed? Are you vaccine hesitant? Are you anti-vaxxed? And, uh, it's been turned into this wedge issue of vaccinations. And, and here uh, at this protest from, from the many people I've seen, and you just heard from Jay there, we're here to represent all Canadians and uh, we're not trying to push an agenda when it comes to, to the vaccine on anyone. I was actually planning to get vaccinated because I'm someone who likes to travel. And uh, it, when another country, you know, asks me to do something to enter that country, I can I can accept that because um, if I want to go to that country, I, I do it. And if I don't want to go to that country, I don't. But in my own country where uh, we were once a beacon, beacon of freedom to the world, and now I'm being um, told where I can go and what I can do and what jobs you can get, and people are losing their jobs. And, and it's become this terrible wedge issue amongst families. And so personally, I, I find it just downright inappropriate to I make a point of not asking people about their status and uh, if they want to if they want to ask if we want to have a conversation but that's fine but I, I certainly don't ask anyone about their status because um, I believe it's discriminatory and uh, that's their personal decision that, that they should be free to make and, and we're here for those people whatever they decide to do. Jay, did you come to Ottawa just on principle or was there some concrete issue like somebody said, oh, you, you got to be vaccinated to do this job or something like that? Uh, I'm, I take it that I'm very blessed that I'm a, I'm a local boy. I don't cross the border, so it didn't affect me there. There were a few job sites that definitely required vaccination. And so our company could deal with that with some of our, our vaccinated guys to take those jobs on. But yeah, personally, I could be on enough jobs elsewhere to not have to worry about that. I came here on principle because I was watching people around me, you know, people getting fired from their jobs for that personal choice of just not not taking a questionable vaccine and then the pushback, you know, being forced to do something supposedly for the good of the people while I watch people's lives around me crumbling. Critics of the convoy will point to like this or that organizer but then I hear other people say that it's completely decentralized. When you were planning on this, how much were you paying attention to the rhetoric? Well, and, and David can speak to this in a second, but I'll tell you, like, I have no clue who these people are that they speak about. I know my mom was following Pat King on Facebook for a long time, but I really have no time. 
Not, not I've never heard of Pat King before this whole thing started. I don't even know now because I, I'm too... It's just like my regular life. I'm too busy working every day mm-hmm. to worry about any of that crap. Like, Jay, we've talked about this. When I first showed up, and I, I mean, I spent the first week trying to figure out who the heck was in charge of this thing, and, and then I just gave up and, and realized this was a movement of the people. And so we create these different titles and we have these roles that we found to play, but there's multiple organizations working uh, and they loosely work together and support each other. But presumably your question is referring to Pat King. And again, I've never even watched any of his videos. I've seen um, reference to some, yes, yeah, seemingly concerning things that he, he said. And again, I'm not, uh, I haven't listened to it personally, but uh, if there's anything that's condoning violence or threats towards the police or, or anything like that, that is not what I'm about, and that's not what Jay's about, and that's not what all of our uh, our brothers and sisters down there uh, on the front line, as it were, down on Wellington Street, um, where we spend most of our time, that's not what they're about. Um, they're about unity, they're about freedom, they're about a peaceful demonstration and a desire for but, freedom. But David, did I hear you, you describe yourself as block captain? Yeah, and again, it's, it's simply um, just a title that we've made amongst the, the street since I don't have a truck, I'm able to move much more fluidly, and I'm a networker. So the media keeps describing this as as some great organized movement. And I mean, the best way for somebody to see for themselves is come down, and you'll find out there's you know there's some guys took it upon themselves to start with garbage collection, and that really took off. And and so um, then then they become the guys who do garbage. And and I took it upon myself to get to know these drivers and uh, and to serve them the best way I can and support them. And so over time, I came to be a trusted face and, and someone they could rely on for support. And um, so a lot of these titles, as it were, are purely symbolic and things that we that have evolved over the time of us being together and developing a community here. So in regards to like whether someone would do. I, something inappropriate there would certainly be there would be peer pressure uh, strongly from uh, from other individuals but what well, jay can say too he can sit on the front line looking out of his truck for for most of the time the two weeks here uh how many confederate flags have you seen jay in two weeks with tens of thousands of people i've been telling people for a, a long time now i i can only believe what i see with my own two eyes most news today no offense to you sir is uh most news is fake news and again, I can only see what I see with my own two eyes. I did not see one. I've been here since the thing started, and I have not seen one hateful symbol. And I'm at the I'm at the center. I'm actually surprised there aren't more hate symbols because, out of all those thousands of people, the laws of statistics are like forget protests. Just you take ten thousand ordinary Canadians, you're going to find ten or twenty of them or believe crazy things. No, exactly, sir. The, the movement here of just the love for for country and for freedom is it's like infectious and powerful. And, and it was that overwhelming passion for this country and for its values um, that, that drew me in. And so I had to, you know, I, I told my boss, I, I can't come back uh, right now and I'm going to need to stay here and, uh, and stand with these, these great men and women who are here. And uh, it's, so it, it's amazing to watch the news media at night, the mainstream Canadian media, because, they must hunt very hard. I, I watched the story one night that was about uh, an old lady who sat, she sat on her chair in front of a truck and she gave a thumbs down whenever it honked because she was annoyed at the sound. And uh, 
if that is if that is the most edgy story that they could find amongst tens of thousands of protesters and hundreds of trucks that there was an angry person who gave the thumbs down. And 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 by no means I'm I understand the difficulties uh, of course with the residents, but it's it's amazing to me that when they're hunting that hard for a negative story and that's the best they can find. And uh, yeah, I haven't seen the Confederate flags. Um, I, this this Nazi symbolism they talk about, I don't see it. And and I agree with you. It's 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 actually even to someone like me and Jay who know these people, you know, these working class, these blue collar folks that make up a big chunk of this. It's almost surprising. And and it just David, speaks. you mentioned something there about like how you called your boss. The thing is, when you're driving a, a truck, or uh, David, you're not driving a truck, but Jay is. It's got a license plate. Often it has identifying details on it, like maybe a phone number or a corporate designation, which gives people an opportunity to like call your boss or, I don't know, report you to authorities. Do you know people who have faced repercussions? They get a call from their boss and say, hey, you know, your truck says XYZ on it. Have they been fired for their jobs because they were pictured as part of the protest? So I've heard of, of a couple of companies that are just asked their drivers if they didn't mind covering the logo. and strictly for the reason of they just didn't want to deal with potential calls in or whatever. But the one thing that I saw recently was maybe David knows the name, but some website where you can, somebody took it upon themselves to report the trucking businesses that are in the convoy. So if you can get a clear picture of my truck door so that you can see the, the logo, send that to this website and report me and that way Canadians that don't support what the convoy is fighting for can um, boycott you boycott they they face uh, angry phone calls and I've talked to drivers whose mailbox especially like owner operators with their phone numbers on there their mailboxes well positive messages too but they'll get these you know the review bombing where they negatively rate their companies and some angry messages. Here's what I want to tell you about that. A buddy in, in our lineup. So we, our little group that we've sort of formed is, is 24 trucks in a, in a one block area. And um, when our first guy got onto that list, we all were like, oh man, I wanted to be on that list. <laughs> I wanted to be the first on that list. That leads me over to this little story. But when, when one of the ideas of the, the other side or the government, if you will, was, hey, take the fuel away. Why don't we take the fuel and the food away and then we'll charge anybody that brings fuel in because they're aiding, aiding these guys. And Canada decided to come around the next morning with everyone with a jerry can in their hand, some of them drinking juice out of them, some of them banging them as a drum. I saw one woman had a jerry can with a sign I identify as a a drum, so that's a spoof on yet a whole other issue that we're dealing with in the world. Just the laughing and the fun and the joy while fighting a very serious crime that the that the government is, is trying to do in, in taking away our freedoms. Considering how tense the situation is, I mean, and guys are locking themselves in their trucks and um, people are, are, are scared. Certainly no one wants to be arrested, but and considering how tense the situation is, the response of, of getting a bit of humor is is really fantastic. The jerry cans are out en masse, people walking around all over with them. After the threats about family and children's services getting involved, the next day I saw more kids than I'd ever seen. Everyone got on the phones and said, bring your kids, get the families out, show them that we're not afraid. And this is a positive atmosphere we're not afraid to bring our kids to. I mean, they use this terminology 
of siege or something, but I don't know if we've ever seen a, a siege with bouncy castles and, and its own garbage pickup crew and <laughs> shoveling the sidewalks. Everything you're describing sounds super positive, but there is this other side to it. And, and a woman who's one of my Facebook friends, she said, my stepmother lives downtown and has a different perspective. The trucker convoy people have been using the garden and courtyard of her building. The other night there were people building fires in the street. The big problem is horns blaring constantly, driving her and the other, including elderly people who live in her building crazy. As much as, as it sounds like you guys, there's a feeling of solidarity, it sounds like for a lot of people, it sounds pretty awful. Like here on my street where I live in Toronto, if a guy honks his car for a minute or a car alarm goes off, people here freak out. And that's just for one minute. Can you sympathize with people who, that maybe they don't care one way or the other, but they just want you guys no, to leave? Of, of course, I can totally uh, sympathize uh, with that. And uh, it, again, since, since it's a very grassroots movement, um, you know, ultimately each, each truck, each four-wheeler, every vehicle involved is, is ultimately making their, their own decisions. Now, I, I can say that uh, the truckers as a whole have been very reasonable the uh, the last while about um, the horns and especially anywhere near residential areas so the the focus of um the noise has been more at parliament because we're not here we're here for canadians we're not here to uh, disrupt their their lives we're here because our lives have been disrupted and and we want to ensure that that never happens again and so the process is focused squarely on on the government and it's not on the people of Ottawa and uh, those of us, you know, on the ground volunteering, we try our best to, we keep trying to keep the streets clean. And um, there's been actually some friends of mine starting an initiative of, of donating some of our extra food to the local shelters uh, and supplies because there's more food around here than anyone knows what to do with. I hope the people of Ottawa understand that, that we're here for, for their freedom too. And uh, we're not here to harm them and disrupt their lives. That's not the goal. Well, if, if I can break in, you'll get two sides to every coin. I spoke to a local here, and he said he laughed when he when he heard about. Um, he says I live two blocks away. He says I sleep just fine. He says Dollar Rama sells earplugs every day. Like I know for myself, I've been sleeping in among the the train horns that are on some of these trucks on the front row, and I'm I'm doing just fine. If you look at this protest versus say the black lives matter one or if we're going to sit here and talk about horn i mean for example a lot of the the businesses that have been willing to open up are doing fantastic i mean the hotels yeah the ho the hotels which have stopped with enforcing masks and uh you know i i hear it from some of the staff of just how nice it is to see people smiles again and they're packed to the gills and and rates but i heard the hotels weren't renting to you you'll hear a lot of things you we need to stay in touch i can keep i can keep you up to date on what's really happening but uh no there was where that rumor uh, formed from is uh as i understand it there was uh, the police bought up a, a hotel because they were bringing in you know more out of town people and understandably they, they wouldn't be sharing the space with uh, with civilians. So um, my understanding is the hotel, the police um, may have bought up one or two hotels for their purposes and their headquarters, et cetera. And, uh, and that's probably where the rumors started. But, you know, the hotels have been awesome and uh, the, the service has been so wonderful. And uh, they, I think they were a little on edge at first, but but now, you know, we, we know some of the hotel staff by name and uh, it's, it's a very great atmosphere. 
uh, Tim Hortons uh, was doing amazing actually until public health just shut down the Tim Hortons, which was right near Wellington. Um, they were a very popular spot to come in and get a coffee, but because um, they decided to stop enforcing the mandates, then um, the public health shut them down. And But uh, there's a number of restaurants down here. If anyone is shutting them down, it, uh, it's themselves or, or the government. If, if they want to be open, they are doing great. It's really, there's a great shawarma place I go to. I love shawarma. <laughs> yeah, the one shawarma spot that a number of us he is just loving life. <laughs> he hasn't been so busy in years, and you got to admit, there's a certain irony in, um, you know, the mayor and, and these other individuals attacking the convoy for making business more difficult uh, when governments have been continually shutting down businesses for two years. I mean, the irony is that, that that's a big reason we're here is because businesses were shut down and people lost their jobs, and we don't believe that government should have that kind of power. I have a question for the interviewer here. What's your name again? John. John, sorry about that. I, I've had so many names. Okay. okay. I have a question for you because maybe maybe where you are, you get to sit down and look at a computer screen and, and check things out. I haven't had time, but I'm curious what the ICU in Ottawa Hospital is right now. It should be, it should be bursting at the seams, but I have not heard a thing about it on the news. If the logic and the science is correct, we should be... That should just be blowing up over there. Well, so by the way, you say, do I look at a computer? That's kind of all I do. Am I <laughs> nice. looking at ICU numbers gratifyingly uh, for everybody? ICU numbers are, are are down quite a bit in the province of Ontario. ICU occupancy for adults in ICU due to COVID nineteen, province of Ontario, it peaked at around six hundred January twenty fifth. Actually, we're doing really well now. We're at about two-thirds that level, although this is not just the Ottawa area, this is the province as a whole, but well, we're coming out of this. Well, let me extend from what you were saying, you were talking about, yeah, I look at a computer screen all day. Jay, you were talking about maybe you're a little bit more used to sleeping with noise. I mean, sometimes like it's late at night and I'm driving and I go to one of those on-route places or roadside places and I see a dozen truck drivers and the trucks are parked and I'm guessing they're sleeping there's actually a lot of noise maybe they're used to it is some of this just like a kind of meeting of two different worlds where you've got people and trucks maybe who are just used to sort of a little bit different life and maybe other people who are government workers or academics or something and uh, they need their beauty sleep <laughs> is part of this just like a culture clash between different groups of people yeah I, I think the boys that that drive these trucks and the ladies again. You see so many different things as you as you drive these miles and, and meet uh, meet different people and so on. You see so much in the world that that you there's no time to be offended. <laughs> um, you wouldn't last too long as a trucker if you got offended easily. Yeah, <laughs> based on what well, I uh... yeah <laughs> and. And even here, even here, uh, John, in my in my own little role, my 24 trucks, like I have every personality under the sun in those 24 trucks. And, and I think that to speak to the the cultural difference thing there, that there is, um, especially in Ottawa specifically, where you have a lot of people working for the government. And most of the people involved in this protest, from truckers to tradespeople like myself, are. Um, quite independent and uh most of us work for small businesses or work for ourselves and uh and yeah so we're independent minded 
and uh, versus if you're working in a government or a corporate job, you're used to taking marching orders. And sorry, don't mean to say that uh, critically. I just mean uh, structurally, you're used to, you know, a rigid command structure and, and a big organization, and, and you have your piece of it. Where um, the kind of people drawn to blue collar work are often very independent uh, people, and and you see that with with the work we've done downtown of of keeping the streets clean and setting up cooking stations and and activities for the kids and concerts and we, we take initiative and, and and we get to we get to work and and so there, I think there is a bit of a cultural difference also the people in government um, you know when when these political leaders they didn't lose a penny over any of this they they kept you know I would have liked to see what happened if if all the public unions and the politicians were put on serve at, at two thousand a month and and see how long until they started to to cry foul so it, it, it's um, I, I think it's kind of rich for um, for for those, especially in, involved in politics, who who didn't lose a dime over this thing, um, to 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 tell these people who, you know, restaurant owners, small business owners, truckers who could not cross the border anymore, other people who lost their jobs. Hey, you know, uh, move on, man. get over it. So it's been about two years since the COVID pandemic began. When it started, a lot of us found it unusual to replace in-person services like therapy with connections we made over the phone or the internet. But two years later, no one finds that unusual anymore. It's part of our day-to-day -day life. Which brings me to one of our commercial supporters, BetterHelp, an online counseling service that helps people everywhere become happier and more productive. At betterhelp.com, that's H-E-L-P, you can connect with a professional licensed therapist in a safe, private, online environment, according to your own schedule, using either secure video, phone, online chat, or text. Whatever you share is, of course, strictly confidential. And while BetterHelp isn't a crisis line, new clients can start communicating with their counselor in less than 24 hours. BetterHelp's network contains thousands of licensed therapists, and you can switch therapists to make sure you get the right fit. Licensed counselors include specialists in trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. And as people who've used the service know, there's actually a few advantages associated with online therapy services. There's no awkward waiting room, and you can message your BetterHelp counselor at any time. And it's just more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Join the many others who are taking charge of their mental health by visiting betterhelp.com. Quillette listeners get 10% off their first month service with the discount code Quillette with two L's and two T's and an E at the end. Just go to betterhelp.com slash Quillette. And now back to our podcast. The scuttlebutt I heard, maybe it's more than scuttlebutt, I saw reported that the local truck tow trucks, you know, much more specialized, more powerful tow trucks than your average tow truck. That Am I right that they've refused to tow away the rigs? I'm guessing like out of solidarity. Is that, is that what's happened? Certainly the impression that's been given, and it's probably a mix of solidarity from, from lots of them, and but also just regardless of anyone's personal feelings from a business perspective, I imagine there would be concern about that. <laughs> well, let's, you're talking delicately, but you're saying that you're saying maybe local Ottawa truckers uh, or companies who rely on them would be, won't think kindly if they... And I'm not about cancel culture. I'm the first to say that. I, I just simply try to analyze the situation and say that, you know, if you if you don't do anything, it probably won't affect anything, except you lose, you know, a couple contracts that you would have got from the towing. 
if you do do something, it's a gamble, right? So that that I, I could see why the businesses on their end right. would say, you know what, I think we'll. Uh, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. And some of them have publicly supported the convoy, but but even if they didn't publicly support it, I, I could see why, from a business owner's perspective, that, that they might just hold uh, tight. Is there any th- again? This is a, might be a stupid question, but is there anything that a, a trucker can do mechanically to their truck to prevent it from being towed? Oh, I'm sure there's a few tricks up our sleeves if we if we needed to say. Is, I mean, these things are massive investments. They're, they're worth more than a lot of houses. I mean, this is a, a vulnerable asset. So it's freedom, right? John, would you get your butt down here? You got to be, <laughs> I would love it if you, no, but you got to sit in my seat just for a couple hours and just you yourself will see it from the driver's seat. You have my invite and that is honestly the only way you can experience it. Uh, I may have to take you up on that. Could I get on the CB radio and be like Burt Reynolds in uh... <laughs> Smoking the Bandit? <laughs> yeah, Smoking the Bandit. So, I mean, and honestly, like it's embarrassing, but my knowledge of trucking kind of comes from just a lot of ignorance. We live in a society where people live in their silos. Exactly. So I have this theory that Justin Trudeau. I've said this in interviews that I think at least the early version of Justin Trudeau, very charismatic guy, and he did have the ability. Maybe he still has it to talk to people from different communities, different walks of life. Maybe this is maybe a science fiction scenario, but if Justin Trudeau walked into your area, walked, came down to Wellington and just started talking to truck drivers and listening to them, do you think he'd, I don't maybe not a friendly reception, but a respectful reception, like people would talk to well, him? Well, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that uh, everyone's going to, you know, have polite conversation. And I mean, yes, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, people are, are frustrated and, I would say that I would have no concerns about physical violence. There'd be catcalls, you know, yells of shame, that type of thing. But from the people I know, I I would not be concerned for his safety. The people are frustrated, but these are not violent people. These are not criminals. My sense is that people like you who are there, at the very least, you, you want the respect that comes with somebody in power acknowledging that you have legitimate grievances Putting aside the actual like social interaction that would take place if someone like Trudeau came to talk to you, do you think there'd be people who would say, "Look, we got what we came for. You know, that we we got acknowledgement that we're a legitimate political voice." Well, there's no trust in him at this point, right? Or, in more broadly, obviously, you know, as some journalists keep have pushed me on before that, oh, these are that health is a uh, provincial mandate, and anyone who follows politics at all and understands it is, of course very familiar with, but the federal government in, in Ottawa is a symbol for the, the whole country. And those conversations need to to happen. The rhetoric that he keeps spilling out, I mean, shocking stuff like that. I'm sure um, you've reported on the, uh, when he referred to us as that we're most often racist and misogynist. Well, I said that in what French. What kind of speech is that? Unreal, unreal. I would be put in jail for such chatter. Yeah, so it's not it's not a good way to build trust. And so there's no trust that, you know, he comes out and, and does some, some chit-chat and then we, we all go home. And, and these mandates, you know, they, they go away and they come back and it's been this endless cycle. And so the general feeling on the ground is we're not going to move until they end now, not not two weeks, not mid March, not whatever. They need to end now, and assurances that that the government well, uh, is not going to have that power to to take people's jobs away and uh, stop them from seeing their families. Let me add to that too. I 
I understand, and this is rumor, maybe you can clarify, John, but it sounds as though Alberta and Saskatchewan may have lifted some mandates, but then what I have heard is that uh, they were with strings attached. So in other words, we could be right back where we were today or yesterday in a, in a while. And so we can't have that. There can't be the strings attached. Although you do have this thing where... Uh of course, Ontario is Canada's biggest province. Uh, Doug Ford, this is I'm reading from a headline. Doug Ford says plan and works to remove Ontario's vaccine passport system. That's pretty big, right? It, it'd be big if it happens. You have people from back home emailing and say, hey, look, guys, look at the numbers. The, the Omicron numbers are coming down anyway. Provinces are already chattering about it's going to be two weeks, three weeks. Like they're going to get rid of these restrictions. This is inevitable. So what are you guys doing there? Just wait a week or two. This, you're going to get what you want without continuing your protest. Do you have Do you have friends and family from back home who are just saying, "Hey, guys, you made your point. Come back." There's no trust that that it's going to be two weeks or two months or we're on the end. Because what happens when next winter comes around and and, and flu season picks up and and a new variant emerges? It, like it, it, without clear assurance exactly. that that this behavior is over, we're going to be right back where we started. And and we know if we leave now, they will never allow the people to come together like this again. They were so unprepared for, I think all of us were, I mean, and again, like I tried it, like I said, I try to be a true figure and, 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 and try to balance the information on both sides. And, and I was honestly quite skeptical of how big this would be because I'd hear these numbers from the organizers that say 50,000 and they say, well, that's, that's not really possible, not in one group at least. And then I'd hear that, oh, it's only 50 trucks from some other outlet. And then, so I was, I was kind of coming in like, you know, how many people are really going to get behind this? But then when I drove into Ottawa and I saw on every overpass from, from the GTA to Ottawa, I saw people waving flags, hanging banners, cheering out in the freezing cold to see us headed there to stand up for their freedom. And, and everyone, uh, trucker or not, who drove to Ottawa can tell those same stories and just to see the, the passion and the hope that it gave these people and how it brought us together. John and David, I just got two things for you. Number one is this is the first night that my wife has been here since I started. So it's been what fourteen days, or I don't know where where are we today, boys? How long has yeah, it been? Of going? course, Jay. Yeah, you you head out. Thanks so much for. I was going to say bring her. I'd love to talk to her, but I, she probably doesn't yeah, want to talk to yeah. me. My so my wife she is long in bed after a grueling day of getting up at three thirty in the morning to come and see me. And my mother just texted me and said, "Jason, you have one job, and that is to go hug your wife the rest of the night. Would you stop talking to these guys?" But I do want to leave. I do want to leave you. I appreciate you chatting with us, and I plead with you to spread the truth. Unlike a lot of media sources these days. And then my second request to you is. Please come sit in my seat. I, I want you to sit there just for an hour, whatever you got. I may have to do that. I'm just warning you that I'm going to grab the steering wheel and make like vroom vroom sounds and make you take a picture of me. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. Okay. Don't, right. don't honk too loud or you'll get arrested. No, no, no. Though, Trust me. I'm not going to touch the horn. <laughs> hey, hey, you let me know. Shoot me an email and we'll we'll put you up in a truck and get a photo for you. So, Night, Jay. David, I got one more question for you. Is that okay if I ask another question? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. One theme that you've been talking about continuously is, is unity, right? Like you, all these people are coming up to you and it's this feeling of bonding. And I also see unity of a kind on my social media feeds, call it progressive Toronto social media, where it's like against the truckers. I'm actually really, as a Canadian, concerned 
Do you worry that things are hardening between these two camps? People who prioritize autonomy and freedom and other people who are just, I mean, you've read some of the rhetoric, right? Like you're all Nazis, you're all Confederates. That's not unity. That's the opposite of unity. It wasn't us who started the division. It wasn't us who politicized this thing. And it wasn't us who drove a wedge in Canadians. Those those who value individual freedom and choice, it, it wasn't freedom-loving Canadians who, who put a wedge on this issue. It was the, the constant negative rhetoric that uh, the government puts of, uh, you know, labeling these unvaccinated as anti-vax or anti-science or that, or they, they don't care about um, senior safety. And, and it's just awful. And you only take so much of that before people say, this is wrong and I'm tired of, of being pushed around and called names and, uh, and, and we're going to stand up. And so it, it was by, I support people if, you know, if they want to, if they're able to work from home and, you know, order takeout and wear their masks and be careful and by all means, and I can certainly understand uh, why some people with immune compromise, um, situations like that would, would make those choices. But I don't feel that it's right for, because of a small group of cases, um, that, that the vast majority of people who are who we've now seen are, are safe from this, that their lives should be turned upside down and their freedoms taken away. I was out looking for some laundry detergent for some truckers, and I was outside, and I, I didn't have a mask on, and I went to presumably a local, and I, I asked if he knew where some laundry detergent was, and probably based on the way I was dressed, uh, he just got really stern with me and said, put a mask on before you talk to me, and it's... And I don't react negatively to that. I understand the fear these people have, and, and I don't hold that against them. But I hold it against the government who has turned Canadians against each other through this and turned this into a political issue and has instilled this fear to the point of where they're afraid to just talk politely to their fellow man on the street. Um, and that's, that's what uh, upsets me. Well, I'm glad you and I were able to have a civilized conversation despite our disagreement on vaccines. Well, uh, well to be clear, it, I don't think we entirely disagree. Like I said, for me, it, this isn't about the safety or effectiveness of vaccines. I think the science definitely demonstrates that um, that they help reduce uh, ICU and, and death and um, to, to vulnerable individuals. They're very... See, that's surprising. It's surprising to me that you think that because my stereotype is that anybody who opposes mandates is also not going to tell me what you just told me. There's always some conspiracy theorists or, or whatever, and but the vast majority of people here, um, they the number of them are, are vaccinated, and some of them, to clarify that, I'm not saying the vast majority are vaccinated. I have no idea what those status is, but the vast majority are not anti-vaxxers. Like I said, personally, I, I was uh, planning to do it for the sake of uh, travel eventually. I was, I was playing a wait-and-see game because... I did think, you know, things were accelerated a little bit. So I was playing a wait and see. And in my own circles, there was no one, like I said, my grandparents were comfortable either way. They were the most vulnerable in my, my circles. And at that time, I wasn't really seeing many people. So I was playing a wait and see, and it wasn't something that was a priority. But then where it became a place for me to take a stand was when I saw people losing their jobs, when I saw that I couldn't go to my local diner for breakfast because I couldn't go watch somebody play hockey. I have a friend who plays junior hockey and I was not able to go watch him anymore. And, and uh, then even more so for families, 
David, thanks for talking from the heart. I, I really appreciate it. I really it. enjoyed the conversation too, John, and, and can't wait to see you down here. If I come, what should I wear? Like, I, I just, I'll, it won't be free to me enough or it'll be like too free to me. Like, what? Yeah, you wear whatever you want. That's what freedom is all about. Thanks so much and uh, have a safe night. Take care. Good night, man. If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron. Head to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Quillette. If you haven't already, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do you like what you're hearing? Perhaps you would like to read more about the issues in today's discussion. Head to quillette.com where you will find more content.